the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. A very happy Thursday. Actually, no, excuse me. It's Friday. Wow, it is Friday, everybody. Happy Friday to you all. Good to have you. However, wherever you're joining us here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. I'm Aljay Salveson. Eric Franson is uh, about and busy at this moment. Uh, we hope to see him soon. Timetable is uncertain. He is day-to-day right now. Day-to-day. Questionable to return. Uh, so we'll uh, when he does return, we'll, uh, we'll welcome his presence. Uh, a lot to talk about. We get you ready for San Diego State, Utah State. Tomorrow night, big one, 8 o'clock p.m. at the Spectrum. Uh, if you want to get tickets... You're going to have to find a unique way to do so. Uh, they are not available at the offices, which means they're sold out. So uh, if you need to hop on to StubHub or whatever, if you got a grandma or grandpa who's a season ticket holder, you can t- talk them into staying home for the night and you taking your girlfriend out, then good luck. It's a big one. Uh, expect it to be standing room only. This is going to be a dandy. Utah State, San Diego State, we've got you all in the know. Uh, we'll have Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Tribune join us live at 520. Uh, he'll talk to us about this San Diego State asset team, what makes them so good, where are their uh, strengths, and where, if they have any, are their weaknesses. Uh, we got NFL wildcard playoff. It starts tomorrow night. I'm trying to talk to Utah State currently to move the game to 9 o'clock so I can finish watching my Patriots play. So I don't have to worry about that game with it on my mind. That's a lot of stress for me to handle. All right, Patriots playing at six to fifteen Mountain Time. Utah State playing at eight o'clock. I I am a mess, and so I am communicating with anybody of intelligence that will listen to me to try and move the game to nine. Okay, it's not going to happen. Game still eight o'clock tomorrow night, whether you like it or not, Patriot fans. So we're just going to have to deal with it. And uh, try to avoid of hearing any of the result of that game. So, good luck with that. Hey, okay, so yesterday, we, uh, we had our intern. Adam the intern. Uh, good dude. He, uh, he helped us out with all our research. He just joined us about two, three weeks ago. And so, uh, and yesterday I had him on. We've had him on for a couple times now. And some people think I'm being a little bit too mean to him. And I want to set the story straight. So, you know what? We're gonna have a little Q and A. We're gonna have a little bit of mono to mono, man to man. Adam, the intern, what up, my man? Not much. How's it going, AJ? Good. Am I mean to you? No. Am I well, nice to you? Well, you know that's a little debatable. Okay. Sometimes. Well, Sometimes. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Do you ever take it personal? Uh, no. Okay. Well, you shouldn't because a, you're an intern. B, I, uh, I run this show. Okay, the ratings are because of me. Obviously, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. totally. You, you know, Eric comes Eric- in. He does his, you know, he does his little whoop de da, you know, with the baton twirly thing. And it's cool. It's pretty fantastic to see it in person. It, it well, it, it can be. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like I am the reason why this this show carries throughout all the seasons. You know that that's a bold statement. You know, take credit for you know bringing good things to the show. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say to that. I can't. I can't deny it. There you go. That that's my boy. That's my boy. Hey, uh, we're gonna quickly talk some Utah Jazz basketball. They play tomorrow night at Orlando, five o'clock. They win last night. In a uh, a game that was tougher than it probably should have been, a one hundred two eighty or excuse me one hundred two ninety eight final over the Chicago Bulls. Uh, you know, Rudy Gobert is not going to is not going to make the All Star game, whether you like to hear that or not. 
He's just not going to make it. There's too many other good big men in the Western Conference, and specifically Anthony Davis, that will, of course, get that nod over him. And that's just how it's going to be. And so the Utah world needs to understand. Now, if I'm wrong and he does make it, great. But in my opinion, I don't think he's, he's not even on the top 10, Adam. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Is that amazing? I mean, for how good he is defensively, but the what? But he's great defensively. But what problem is that present in the All Star game? Well, the All Star game, there is no defense. Everyone's exactly. Lo- everyone's looking for that crazy deep three or that crazy slam dunk. I mean, no one's looking for that stuff or you know blocking somebody out. No one's looking for that in the All Star game. So I feel like with in Rudy Gobert's case, I feel like this is good. You know, it's a good chip on the shoulder saying, "Hey, I am better than some of those people in those games," and he's going to prove it. And so I feel like every year, once we get to this stage and we find out Rudy Gobert's not on that All Star list, it kind of pushes still him to be a riot. Better. Right? Exactly. Everyone's going to complain about it, especially here in Utah. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's still going to be a riot with, and it. rightfully so. I mean, you could totally tell that the level of play he puts out, as compared to some other people, is just absolutely stunning. 102-98, the United Center is your final. The Utah Jazz improved to 22-12 and on the season. They are 9-9 nine and nine on the road now. Uh, give a lot of credit to Rudy Gobert, obviously, but Donovan Mitchell was great also. 6-14 from the field, 2-5 from deep. He was perfect at the charity stripe, going 3-3, three three, uh, 17 points. He did have five ugly turnovers. He had seven assists, four rebounds, and uh, I-, I thought he looked sharp. And then... Uh, Joe Ingles in 34 minutes, 3-9 from the field, 2-5 from DP had 8 points, and Bogdanovic in 34 minutes was 5-13 from the field for 19 points. Are you a big Bogdanovic fan so far? What have you seen out of him? I wasn't at first. I didn't really know who he was when he was coming into Utah, but after I saw a few games of seeing just that gritty player that he is, you know, He's not the kind of player, you know, like a James Harden or something like that, where he looks, you know, he complains for the foul every time someone looks at him wrong. He's the kind of person who, I don't know if this is with his upbringing or something like that, but I feel like just naturally he wants to dominate people. And he doesn't do it in like an arrogant or cocky way. He just does it with his basketball skills. It's the Full Court Press with Adam the Intern and Andre Salveson. Uh It's a really great show. It's the number one rated show right now, actually, all over the state. Oh, Oh, it's my former co-host, Eric Franson. Oh, former? I'm former now? <laughs> I've been replaced. <laughs> hey, five minutes, and the ratings are just exploding right now with Adam. All right. It's well, just... he's got the jersey on. He came he ready. He is. He came pumped up and ready to go. Yes. Yeah, I'm even wearing the Donovan shoes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Okay, you're right. You're, you're trying way too hard. <laughs> Adam, we'll have you on later. Thanks for your time, my man. You're welcome. Eric Franson here uh, joining us uh, amidst uh, a big, uh, well, he's been busy. We'll talk off air. Uh, Utah Jazz went. I'm always busy. Like, why is? It, why is, do you think today's any different from any other day? It's just work. We'll talk you know, off. That's what we do. Uh, 102.98. <laughs> such a punk. <laughs> 102.98. Winners. Jazz over the Chicago Bulls at United Center again. Jazz go now ten games over 500. They are at 500 now on the road at nine and nine. Uh, Listen, we Adam and I were just talking, and I have to get your thoughts on this. Rudy Gobert will not make the All-Star game. Are you upset with that, or, or do you understand just how? Because the coaches, I don't even think, will select him. Does that upset you, or do you understand that, like, hey, it's an offensive showcase for all the fans. It's all about the fans is what it is. So Rudy Gobert doesn't belong in there because it's all about offensive and all about the fans. I think it was about... 15, 20 years ago, I can't even remember this guy's name. Uh, somebody got selected to the All-Star Game. I think he was in the Eastern Conference. And he wasn't really known 
for his offensive prowess. He was a defensive-minded guy, and he was really, really good, and so they send him to the All-Star game. Um, and he goes out there, and he's like playing defense. He's swatting shots. He's grabbing rebounds. He's like doing his game. And the other guys on the team are like, look at him like, dude, like, relax. This is the All-Star game. This is a, this is an exhibition game. And I think he even got like the MVP that year. But uh, for the for the game, but everybody was like, "Man, don't invite that guy back again." Uh, and I don't think he went to very many uh, NBA All Star games after that. But I think that with Rudy Gobert, look, this is we saw the early returns yesterday. I mean, it's just the very first initial. It's still going on for another three weeks, three and a half weeks. More attention, more word will get out there uh, as people start now are starting to think, "Oh, oh yeah." We can vote about the All Star thing. It's uh, fan voting's going on. For some, that's the first they realize they could vote and participate in All Star voting. Is Rudy Gobert going to make the All Star <laughs> team this year? I don't know. I I would put him ahead of Carl Anthony Towns. I would too. I would too. I absolutely and I think would. that smart NBA coaches in the Western Conference would do the same. He's not going to receive the. He's not going to beat out Anthony Davis as the number one spot. Um. And he's not going to be a starter. But, I, you know, we talk a lot about his defense, but what we've been seeing the last couple of months even is how he has refined his offensive game. I mean, this guy's a double-double machine. He's 15 to 18 points a night automatic. Yeah. And the way he's grabbing boards and swallowing them up and uh, blocking shots, how does that guy not get into the All-Star game? Rudy Gobert, 8 of 11 from the field. He's 1 of 2 from the free throw line. 10 boards, uh, excuse me, 12 boards, 10 of them defensive, and 17 points. By the way, do you want to guess what his plus minus was? From last night? Yeah. Oh, um, I know that George Yang had like the, the, the biggest plus minus for a long stretch there. He was like plus 20 for, for a time. I'd say Rudy Gobert, he's probably plus 15. Try minus 4. What? I don't know how that works, dude. I don't get it. Because I know it affects what like what your team is doing while you're on the court. So if he's having a great game, but if the rest of his team sucks, it affects him for some reason. It's the lamest thing I've ever seen. Coming off the bench, George Yang, 17 minutes. He had 11 points. He was a plus 19, Eric. Okay. You're right. That is the highest out of anybody. Uh, he went 4-7 from the field, 3-5 from deep. Uh, Tony Bradley, and by the way, Tony Bradley has became, he's taking Ed Davis rotational minutes, something that we would have never, ever saw before the season started, because when Ed Davis came in, he was going to be Rudy Gobert's number two. Right, he was the primary backup, and Tony Bradley wasn't prepared. And it's been interesting because we've seen this coaching staff spend a lot of extra time with Bradley, and he's improving. There are a few times where, yeah, he didn't handle the pass right, he was out of position, he didn't know how to do the play properly, but as the game went on, and he was making great plays. He wasn't a liability. They were trying to go at him, and that's been the scouting report. When Rudy Gobert goes out, man, attack the hole because they can't stop you. And that was a problem. It was a real problem. The, the starters couldn't sustain, uh, or when starters went out, the, the bench couldn't hold a lead. But I thought to, last night was a great example of Tony Bradley and his evolution as a player and how he's come along. I don't know that we've seen the last of Ed Davis, but I think we've certainly seen and will continue to see more of Tony Bradley. And with with George Niang, it makes us, the way he's been playing lately, the last couple of games, it's easy to forget that Jeff Green guy. 
Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. doing what we thought Jeff Green could do, and he just never did. And now George is starting to do it. Uh, Clarkson, in 23 minutes, 3 of 8 from the field, he was 3 of 7 from deep. <laughs> he had 12 points, but he was a plus 4. Uh, Eric Moutier, in 17 minutes, he was 3 of 5 from the field. Emmanuel Moutier. points. I, dude, I got... <laughs> Can I just call him Eric? Is that okay? <laughs> Eric Moutier, can we just go with that? I just feel like it sounds better. It rolls off the tongue better. Emmanuel Moutier you, is you not... like Eric. I, it's, I can appreciate oh, that. Calm down. It's a great name. Calm down. It's Davis stuck did not in your play. Head. Tucker, the uh, the G League trade product, did not play as well. Um, they were a coach's decision. Uh, again, 102-98, your final. Uh, Denver, by the way, was over Indiana, 124-16. How about this one? Miami. Miami Heat have come along out of nowhere and beat Toronto last night at home in Miami, 84-76. Uh, Dallas oh, over Brooklyn, 123-111. The Heat are legitimate Eastern they Conference are. team. I, is that, now, let me ask you. Does they, that tell followed, you how bad the East is, or is that just how good Miami no, is? No, the East is better than they have been. I, I think that Miami has borrowed the... Uh, the the blueprint that the Jazz had for a long time, they had two really good big guys play alongside each other. Like Jazz had Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors in the post at the same time. Miami Heat's doing something very similar to that, and it's working really well for them. So they've got the the middle bottled up, and then they've got some other playmakers out on the on the perimeter. So Miami's looking pretty good. And the Eastern Conference overall, we like to bag on the East, but the <laughs> Eastern Conference is uh, actually a little bit deeper. Uh, this year, still not as as good as the as the West. I mean, Orlando Magic is only fifteen and nineteen, and they're still the eighth best team in the East. But San Antonio is fourteen and nineteen, and they're the eighth spot in the West. So it's not like it's that big of a difference. Yeah, looking at the Western Conference standings, I know it's early, but let's stare at them right now. L.A. Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers, Houston Rockets, and Mavericks are one through five. Jazz is six. Oklahoma City Thunder. How about that at seven? Trading a bunch of guys, playing with a bunch of, you know, with, with a bunch of G League guys with, I mean, with the exception of Chris Paul, with a bag of draft picks in hand to be spent for the next five years. Sit at seventh. San Antonio, San Antonio Spurs are at eighth with the Trailblazers on their heels, just two games behind them right now. But the San Antonio Spurs are at eighth at 14 and 19. Is that, I mean, that should tell us. And I know you got LaMarcus Aldridge, I know you got DeMar DeRozan. But that, I mean, you can never give enough credit to what Craig Bopovich does year in and year out with these squads. Well, true, but there's there are six teams within two games of each other to, to battle for that number eight spot. So there's a lot of parity in that group in the Western Conference. Uh, what Pop is doing in San Antonio, yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive with his history. Um, but honestly, I would expect who he has and the experience that they have for them to be doing a little better than they are. Hmm. I mean, they're, they're a losing team right now. They have a losing record. Um, but they've got some guys who know how to play. They've had guys that know how to play meaningful games. Um, I, I just wonder if the Greg Popovich era is starting to wane. Wane down, yeah. Kind of like what we saw yep. in the twilight of Jerry Sloan. Yeah. Um, that, look, he had his run. He had a tremendous success. But... I just I wonder how how much that team is is hearing his voice now. Milwaukee Bucks on the Eastern Conference side sit at one at thirty one and five. Boston Celtics, Heat, Raptors, and Seventy Sixers complete your two through five. At six, Pacers, seven Nets, and eighth is the Orlando Magic at fifteen and nineteen. 
I mean, we are staring. Conferences are like staring in a mirror of each other right now. You got one really dang good basketball team at the top, four really, I guess, decent teams, and can truly legit contending teams right after that. And then you got a couple teams kind of fading away, and then you got just a crap team at the bottom. Right, like I said, the East is not really that much different than the West this year. Uh, it's amazing. It, it just blows because yeah, it used to got, be so different, right? Yeah, I mean, the Eastern Conference, you've got six teams with 22 wins or more. In the West, you have six teams with 22 wins or more. You've got a bunch of teams fighting for that eighth spot with similar records. You've got a really, really good team at the top uh, in the East with Milwaukee that's got distance between the next closest. I mean, there is a little bit more, uh, it is a little bit closer race in the West. Uh, Lakers have a three-game lead over the Nuggets and the Clippers for the top spot in the West. Uh, but you're right, there's, there's, a lot of, there's more parity in the league right now, which I think is interesting in that the, the ratings are down in the NBA. I, I think that it's more competitive this year with the Golden State breaking up and with some of the other changes that happened in the league. That uh, everybody thought, look, there's there's room at the top of the mountain now. It's not just one big bad bully knocking everybody else out. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity for everybody else. But um, that being said, I find it interesting that ratings are down. Yeah, I don't. I think I think the game is not as entertaining as it used to be. Or is it because the average NBA watcher, the average American citizen? doesn't look at this parody. They want to see the stars, and they want to see the stars on this one team, and we love rivalries, and it's got to be this team versus that team, and who's going to be the better one? That's a good point. This player against that player, and it's got to be this great rivalry. Magic versus Larry. I used to watch... Michael versus... Religiously, back in 08. for a couple different times. 07, 08, 09, 2010, 11, 12 through 14... I would religiously, I didn't care what I was doing. Lakers, Celtics, Bryant versus Garnett, Allen, and Pierce, right? And then you had LeBron versus the Celtics. I used to watch those games at any cost. I loved watching those games. But I, and, and this is true, honestly, I'd actually tune out of Utah Jazz games sometimes just to watch these other big rivalry games. It was the quote unquote premier game, yeah. right? It had the that's stars. A, that, you know what? That's a great point you bring up because that, that was me. Honestly, 15, 14 years ago, that was me. I always wanted to watch the big games, the fun games, the one with that, the playoff-style atmospheres. I didn't want to see the Jazz versus now the Kings back in, I mean, 08 when the Kings were garbage. They still are. But, I mean, it. it I was always wanting to see the bigger game because that's where the big stars were playing and you didn't have guys resting Garnett wasn't resting versus the Lakers. Yeah, right? that's true. Load management did not it an, yeah. it was not even a concept. It, it did not exactly. exist. Crazy. And now it, we don't changed. know. Unreal. You may have your your team. Your, you may have the star that you like, but it's always a guessing game whether or not they're going to be on or they'll be on the court when you actually watch that game, or heaven forbid, get a chance to go to the game and spend your hard earned money to go watch them. All right, uh, a lot to get to, including uh, some movement in the Utah State football coaching staff. OC moves on. Who could replace him? We'll give our opinions. And don't forget, in the know, San Diego State Aztecs, 14-0 and Aztecs, 8 p.m. Saturday night here at the Spectrum. So tonight at 520, Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Tribune will join us live. 
to talk about those Aztecs. He's here in Cass Valley, and he'll join us over the phone to talk about the Aztecs and what he thinks uh, when, uh, about tomorrow night's big, big showdown in the Mount West Conference. Eric Franson on that side. I'm RJ Sal since the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The, fan. the new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Okay. We're going to party like it's your birthday. We're going to sip a party like it's your birthday. And you know we don't give a fuck because that's your birthday. Eric France and RJ Salas here on the Full Court Press. Uh, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, the fan. Dude, don't. Okay, you kind of threw me off there at break, Eric. I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand things, and you won't let me understand with you. What? What are you trying to understand? I'm trying to understand what's going on, and you won't let me understand. And you push me out into the dark, like a lonely, lonely friend (laughs) that you don't want to be friends with anymore. Wow. Yeah, this just got real weird in here. Oh, stop it. Adam, the intern, don't. You know what? Your mic's <laughs> off, buddy. Okay, your time is done. Uh, big news out of Utah State today. Saucy news. Uh, Mike Sanford has been hired to join the staff in Minnesota. Uh, Coach uh, uh, PJ Fleck um, announced today, uh, the, and it was official on their, their Twitter feed, and they had an official announcement he says, uh, quote, I'm thrilled to welcome Mike, his wife, Anne-Marie, and kids Peyton, Gunner, and Griffin to Minnesota. I have known Mike for many years, and he'll be an elite addition to our staff. Mike is one of the brightest young minds in the game and brings a wealth of experience to our off- offensive staff room and our offensive system. Uh, now, he's not just the only offensive coordinator. There's going to be a co-offensive coordinator. Minnesota Gophers wide receivers coach Matt Simon will... Still coach wide receivers and will be a co-offensive coordinator with Mike Sanford. Sanford was with Utah State for one season, uh, joining Gary Anderson's team about a year ago, uh, about this time. And so uh, he is, apparently he's moving on. No official word from uh, Utah State uh, on this yet. But uh, so there's certainly an opening there for Utah State to have a new offensive coordinator. Um, And... He inherited, obviously he walked into a situation where it was an offensive juggernaut, how it was producing when he arrived on campus. Granted, a lot of things changed and were different from uh, the season prior, but he tried to adapt and learn what was going on and try to keep things rolling. Um, it, It did seem like there was... Things weren't quite as as fluid and as efficient this year offensively as they were a year ago, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Part of it could just be that here's a different offensive coordinator with a different philosophy and how he's communicating with the the players could be slightly different, um, good, bad, or the other. But still, Jordan Love had a had a good year. I mean, he threw for over 3,400 yards, 20 touchdowns. Gerald Bright almost had a thousand yards rushing. CLC Mariner nearly had a thousand yards receiving, um, and so uh, that that Utah State offense had some games that maybe yeah weren't really that great, um, but they did have some that were were still pretty good. Uh, they averaged twenty nine points on the year, over four hundred and thirty yards of total offense uh, per game. But um, Mike Sanford, he's moving on to the to the Big Ten. I can't fault him for that. He's gonna he gets a chance to go play big boy football. 
And uh, he has some experience doing that in the past. And I think that um, it, it's a great accomplishment for him. I think we should all be happy and excited for him to have that opportunity. Yeah, and and look, people are going to bag on Sanford because Jordan Love's numbers were down or the offensive numbers were down. You might want to look at the schedule. Okay, look at the schedules first and understand that LSU yeah. is not Tennessee Tech. Well, and even the Mountain West <laughs> schedule was significantly yeah. more challenging than the one previous. Yeah. When you were and this Air Force team was much better. San Diego State was a very good football team. Uh, yeah, you had to play San Diego State, Fresno State on the road. Yeah. Those yeah. are not easy things to do. Three three nine four three five three three nine zero three two one four three five three three nine zero three two one. If you want to sh- hop on the show, share your thoughts. You can text us. Message and data rates apply. Ask your service with your contract. Yeah, like what's your reaction? I mean, is this? Are you bummed? Are you excited? Are you happy to move on? The question for me, Eric, is who could replace him? Who do you look to? What are you looking for in 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 an offensive coordinator? And remember, you have a bunch of new guys coming to the offense. I mean, right? You have a new quarterback and Henry Collin, most likely, or Andrew Peasley. You're going to have Jalen Warren at running back. Maybe another guy coming uh, through the works. Uh, Devin Tompkins. You'll have Taylor Compton, but you're going to lose a ton of guys as well. So with that, what do you want to see in the offense? Do you want to see things change? Do you like the way the offense was ran? I mean, where do you stand with that? Four three five three three nine zero three two one. Eric, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that something that is clear is that the the team is going to have an, a, a quarterback that's more mobile and probably likes to use his legs and, and, and should use his legs a little bit more than Jordan Love did. Jordan Love could be mobile. He could scramble, but he was better in the pocket. That's where he was best. Uh, I think that Columbia, Peasley... Those guys can scramble and, and make things happen. So I think that that will be a part of the offense. Um, I wonder if the hurry up to the line, pass, pass, you know, third down conversion fail, and the whole offensive set is done in less than 30 seconds. <laughs> I think that's, that's probably going to change and try to be more consistent uh, of drawing out the, the the offense because Gary Anderson is a defensive minded guy and he wants to make sure his his dudes on defense have a chance to catch a breath on the sidelines and having an offense that just bang 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 and they're off would just drives a defensive coordinator batty so I, I think that Gary will will try to find somebody that will have a, an offensive philosophy and I'm not saying we should expect to see uh, power eye formation you know run it every time and just chew up clock. Utah State's just not built that way. But I think there will be a, a little bit of a change where there'll be more, a little more ball control than we've seen um, and, uh, and to be able to chew up a little bit more clock than what they've done before. Yeah. Uh, I think the days of and I think you're right. I think the days of going just at like reckless pace speed and you know possessions under 60 seconds i think that those days might be done but i'm excited to see what the offense will look like under normal like normal pace right take time to huddle up <laughs> take time to go over your reads just uh, just uh, like uh, the normal college football I guess normal pace of a football game uh i mean i i can't i feel like i can count literally honestly count how many times they huddle up this season for a play. 
and probably and it probably might surprise me how much they actually did so. Just didn't happen a lot, and it felt like and it killed him too. It killed him against LSU, killed him against Air Force at BYU, Boise State. It ruined him. Uh, I don't even Kent State. It hurt, and uh, and I mean it just when you when you realize it's not working, but you're already too far in to just change things. So it makes it so difficult. So I don't know who's out there. I'm not going to begin to start to say. Oh, me neither. Well, this guy should be a candidate, or that guy should be a candidate. I'm. That's just, it's a little too early in the game to do that. Um, Gary Smith, uh, Gary Smith, <laughs> Gary Anderson is connected with a lot of really interesting people out there in college football. A lot of people still very much admire him and want to work for him. I'm not really concerned that a quality guy that's going to fit into the system and understand what's going on here. Utah State way, I'm not concerned that he won't find his way to Utah State. Um, I'm curious to see who those candidates might be, but um, I'm not going to really fret over that right now. There's still a lot of coaching changes that are happening with staffs getting put together. Uh, It it happens every year to every football program. Who knows? It's probably not the last change that's going to happen this year on the Utah State coaching staff. Yeah. And that's not pointing fingers at anyone specifically. It's just that's how it is. I mean, the the life of an assistant coach, a position coach for college football, it's a very nomadic lifestyle. You're going from one to the next to the next. Um, and that's just the life until you gain some reputation and some experience, and then you start to maybe get a little bit more stability uh, as a coordinator. But even then, there's there's movement that happens as Clearly, we saw today, um, but um, I, you know it's a good move for uh, for Mike Sanford. It is. It's a great move for him. Minnesota's had a great, successful year. A lot of positive feelings about how that program is is taking a leap, and uh, he's walking into a great situation. So can't feel feel happier for him. No, and he's a good man too. He was always so personal and so very nice to us. I know we got a chance to meet him in our media day. Uh, he was yeah. really, really good to us. He's always. Yeah, very approachable. He he has that head coaching experience, so he understands everything that goes into a football program. Um, maybe he'll have that opportunity again one day with a little more experience under his belt um, and being in different environments, going through different things. Uh, but uh, yeah, for for a USU assistant to go to the Big Ten, that's a big deal. It's good for them, and go to a really a program that's definitely on the rise. Uh. I wonder as well with that, um, how much the offensive staff changes as well. Yeah, when the the, the top guy changes, whoever comes in to replace him, they're going to want to work with the people that they know and that they like to work with. If they have those connections and can bring them with them, and have those have that staff, they want to have some say. Um, though uh, obviously they're going to have to defer to the head coach first, but. Whoever gets named as the next offensive coordinator, they're going to want to have some influence on what that staff looks like. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And, and just spitballing, we talked about it, not really thinking who the candidates might be. Is there anyone on the current staff right now who you think, hey, that might be a potential? That guy, that position coach, maybe could be elevated to be the next offensive coordinator. <laughs> You know, I I loved Coach Phillips. 
uh, the wide receivers coach. Mm-hmm. You know, he has professional NFL experience. I kind of wonder what he could do. Um, I wonder if, and this is con- pure speculation. Do not take it as gospel or anything like that. Just calm. Yeah, we're just calm the fetch down. Totally spitballing. Here. What if Coach Anderson goes within the state and tries to cherry pack a cherry pick a staff member within the state of Utah? Uh, see, wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise Weaver me. Weaver State. Just with his connections with Utah, Weaver, Utah, BYU. BYU. Don't be surprised if you see somebody come out of that list. No, I wouldn't. And, and uh, if, if if anybody is surprised, I mean, do you not pay attention? I mean, yeah, right? these guys know, know each other. Yeah. They all work with each other. Um, but um, that I think the timing of getting Coach Sanford replaced is kind of important. I don't think it's a rush. But obviously your offensive coordinator is very, very important, and you're still in the middle of recruiting because the, the, the final letter of intent signing period is only a few weeks away. So um, I, I, it, it's important. I don't know that it's uh, – even if it doesn't happen until after the recruiting period, uh, that it's that crucial. But for an OC, that – I mean, it's the head coach and the coordinators. I mean, those, that's your top three. That's your big three. So that's got to be figured out and, and uh, taken care of pretty quickly. All right, take a break. Coming back, we'll get into our Friday Five Best, the five best wild card games in playoff history, according to Eric and I. That's all coming up here on the Full Court Press, 106 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's January clearance at Fisher Home Furnishings. Overstocks, closeouts, one-of-a-kinds, discontinued items, even late arrivals from the holidays, all at liquidation prices. All this excess inventory from Fisher's will be sold at cost or below. Sofas, love seats, recliners, bar stools, bedroom groups, dining groups, even outdoor furniture and mattresses are included. Up to 24 months, no interest financing is available. January clearance. Underway now at Fisher Home Furnishings. Fisher Home Furnishings. This is Dan at the Sports Academy. Experience the Sports Academy difference this new year in our new remodeled locker rooms. Try our new indoor cycling room with brand new bikes. Looking for the best group fitness classes? Choose from over 100 weekly classes including high fitness, Zumba, and yoga. Come and check out the expanded weight room with the new 6,000 square foot functional training room. Start the new year at the newly renovated Sports Academy. Your club, your results, your life. Hi, this is Bob Larson from LSS Insurance. Are you feeling overwhelmed with Medicare rules and regulations? At LSS Insurance, we know first-time Medicare enrollment can be anything but easy. That's why at LSS Insurance, we walk you through every option available at zero cost to you. Why tackle this life-changing event on your own when LSS Insurance can help at zero cost? One-on-one help, monthly classes, over the phone. If you need help, LSS has the answers. Call 752-9493. With decades of experience, LSS Insurance has the answers. 752-9493 or Google LSS Insurance. The best businesses in America use Rico because Rico is considered the highest quality when it comes to copiers and printers. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your authorized Rico dealer in Logan. We have the perfect machine for any mid-sized office. Rico's IMC 4500, leased at only 119 per month. Plus, you get service from a company that's won Rico's Circle of Excellence seven years in a row. Find us at valleyofficesystems.com. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hi, 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 hi. 
The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. RJ Salves and Eric Franson. Eric, you really throw me off my groove. Because... You had a groove? I, I did. It was when Adam the Intern was on. Oh! We had something special. I should yield my we were, time. We were cooking with gas. Now we're cooking with matches in the rain. <laughs> cooking with matches in the rain. Okay, I don't think that would go very well. Exactly! Now you get my point. <laughs> All right, it's time for a Friday Five Best. Eric France and Ajay South here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan, you can also participate in the show at 435-752-1069, to text into our show. Uh, you can also stream us on 1069thefan.com. Find us on podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Type in the full court press, Eric's name, my name, and you'll be able to get our content that we post, including Craig Smith's press conference, which will be posted here later on this evening. Uh, Eric. Wild card playoff weekend always brings out the worst in fans and the best in fans. You either go home a loser or you move on happy, realize you can get your butt handed to by the number one or two seed in the NFL. Hey, within the last, what, 10, 15 years, we've seen a couple of occasions where somebody has come into the wild card Mm -hmm. and played their way into the Super Bowl. And there's been a few cases where they've even won the Super Bowl. Very few, but yes. It's very few. It's very rare, but... The tape's out there. It's possible. All right, Eric. So what is your fifth best wild card playoff game? Now, see here, AJ, you've got me where uh, I don't have I didn't have the advantage of sitting at my computer all day long and pouring over stats and oh, story you mean like So sorry, I didn't have the I mean I had the advantage of doing my job, which was prepping and researching <laughs> for a show. Oh, you're, oh man, Something I like, should not Something like that. I should have had Adam the intern. Alright, but no, here I do have I do have a list. Go ahead. I do have a list. Okay. This ought to be interesting. This was back in two thousand two. This was the NFC wildcard game. Ooh, spicy. This was the Niners versus the Giants. Oh, dude, I remember this game. There've been a lot of very close games in the wild card because they're similarly matched teams usually. And so a lot of these are really close games. There's been a lot of overtime games. But this one... uh, This was the pass interference game. Down to the wire. Um, Then uh, this was... uh, New York had the lead. Mm -hmm. Looked like they were taking care of business. They were kind of taunting the the Niners there for a while, going after Terrell Owens. Um, But then... uh, San Francisco gets down there, and uh, Jeff Garcia leads this big comeback, and uh, they kick a field goal as time expires, and San Francisco defeats the Giants 39-38. to Ooh, that's a good game. That was, uh, I think Jeff Garcia was the quarterback. Yep, Jeff Garcia yep, led the comeback. Uh, they had they were down like 38-22 to yep. at one point in that game. That's a good one. So the Niners are able to keep keep the Giants at bay and get on a little bit of a run, and just enough as as time expired. That's a good choice, and, and I'm a big Niners guy. Um, I've always been a big Niners guy. Mine number five is going to be Seattle Dallas in 2006, the Tony Romo game. I uh, remember uh, the Cowboys uh, a chip shot from uh, from this uh, from this range. I think it was like a 20 yard field goal. And uh, this is just after uh, Romo had dri- driven the Cowboys 70 yards, and they drive all the way down in easy field goal range. And a, a great snap 
is mishandled by Tony Romo. Oh, Who yes. then has to wing it and try to run for a touchdown. And, I mean, and by the way, people don't forget how close he actually was. Like, it was a shoestring tackle to grab the guy. Otherwise, he was dead to rights. And uh, he gets, I mean, just barely tripped up and falls at about the two-yard line. And Seattle and Mike Hungerin's team moves on. And by the way, that same Seahawks team ended up going to the Super Bowl and faced the Steelers. That's right. That's right. I do remember that. Uh, yeah, Tony Romo almost uh, turned uh, disaster into the, being Amazing. a hero. But just that was the theme of Tony enough. Romo's career. That's the theme <laughs> of Tony's, whether it's marriage with Jessica Simpson. Are they still married? They're not still <laughs> married, right? With Jessica Simpson? They were dating. Yeah, remember the playoff game where he went to Mexico? I thought it was a different singer. No, it was Jessica Simpson, and he was he was supposed to, and he was in like like the Cabos with Jessica Simpson. Wasn't he in Carrie Underwood? Weren't they a thing for a while? I'm I'm sure him and a lot of music artists that are beautiful were really follow his love life. Well, you should because it was actually quite intriguing. But I remember he well, okay, calm down. If your wife's listening, you're gonna be sleeping on the couch. (laughs) So I, but no, I remember when uh, yeah, like he was in the Cabos hanging out with his girlfriend or wife, Jessica Simpson. And they were uh, they were on a bye week because they had the first uh, first seed, and then lost to the Giants the following week, and everyone blamed Jessica Simpson for <laughs> the loss of the game because she had taken Tony Romo out on a little one on one honey date. Woman, weren't we talking about wild card football for a moment? Okay, that was, dude, that was a okay. Well, it was part of the wild card, okay. not really, but it kind all of right, was. my number four. Uh, San Francisco 49ers once again. Oh, okay. Uh, this wasn't Jeff Garcia. It was going a little bit further back in time. This was Steve Young. Oh, the catch too. Yes. Yes, Steve Young, uh, Brett Favre, 49ers, Green Bay Packers. They were rivals at the time. It was a bitter rivalry. Uh, Packers, it was it was a back and forth game. And uh, the Packers take a, take a lead. They're up 27 to 23. There's less than two minutes to go. And uh, Steve Young marches the team down the field, gets it to uh, Terrell Owens in a 25-yard touchdown pass. Uh, it was a it was a beautiful thing. Um, you know, it was, yes, they call it the catch two. Uh, it was a a beautiful game, and Steve Young was a great quarterback. Uh, and uh, at the time, I was a big 49ers fan. I don't know that I really have an NFL oh, team now. So you have a bandwagon. Uh, but uh, anyway, cool. the, pack, the, the 49ers beat the Packers 30-27. to That was back in 1998. Number four, Arizona 51, Green Bay 45 in overtime. Remember this wild game that ended up being a, uh, a sack? And, uh, well, I guess Aaron Rodgers is sacked, but the ball's taken away from him. But, like, the defender grabbed his face mask. And for some reason, it was not called. This is in Arizona. And it was stripped away in overtime, and uh, the Colonels went for six on the strip and score and uh, beat the Packers 51-45. It was a 17-yard fumble recovery. Uh, they combined for more than 1,000 yards, and Kurt Warner and Aaron Rodgers threw nine touchdowns between the two. Wow. That was crazy. That was crazy. Um, number three for me is the uh, the Music City Miracle. Tennessee Titans. The forward lateral. And the Buffalo Bills, uh, also known as the home run throwback by some. This is uh, one of the other themes. Uh, but um, 
Steve Christie, he gave Buffalo the, the lead. They were up 16-15. to 15. There were only 16 seconds to go. Surely they're going to win, but no. Uh, tight end Frank Wycheck, he catches the ball. He turns around and he throws it to Derek Mason uh, in, a, in a lateral or slightly backwards pass. It was still debatable whether it was really a backwards pass or not. Anyway, nonetheless, didn't get overturned. He goes down and scores in a touchdown with only three seconds to go. And Tennessee wins 22-16. to 16. That was back in 1999. Really? That was that long ago? Oh, yeah, man. 1999. That's crazy. I still remember that game. Titans too. were a pretty new team in, at that time. Huh. I remember that. It was great, great game. Really exciting. Uh, my number three, and this is just based on the fact of who actually made it happen. The overtime game between Denver and Pittsburgh in Denver at mile high. Denver 29, Pittsburgh 23 in overtime. Tim Tebow! The greatest quarterback to ever quarterback the Broncos in <laughs> their franchise history. Yeah, uh, Tim, uh, they were down 20. Let's see, Pittsburgh was down 26 a half. They rallied back to tie the game. And on the first play from scrimmage, on their own 20-yard line, Mr. Tebow, Mr. Win It All. You know like what Skim Bayless says? All he does is win. He just wins. Well, he won this game with 316 yards and two touchdowns. The uh, second one going into Demarius Thomas on a slant throw for 80 yards for a touchdown. And one of the worst play-by-play calls ever from Jim Nance. <laughs> Denver's going on to New England. That's all you could give us, Jim. <laughs> That's all you could do, huh? Good effort. Uh, all right. Um, number two uh, for me. This was uh, in 2010. Mm. Seattle Seahawks. New Orleans Saints. Oh. Um, and uh, it, it, they were... Um, the Seahawks were only seven and nine. It was kind of laughable that they were even going to the playoffs that year. They were double-digit underdogs facing the New Orleans Saints, um, and uh, it, it was in New Orleans. But um, the uh, they won the game forty-one to thirty-six, and uh, it was uh, some some serious beast mode uh, in that game for Seattle. Uh, Marshawn Lynch just went off in that one. And um, that was back in 2010, the Seattle Seahawks over the Saints, 41-36, to as they were huge underdogs in that game. The Chiefs going into the 2014 season had won one playoff game in 12 tries. One. This one might have been the worst of losses of all of them. Uh, they had led over the Colts uh, 38-10. He, uh, Alex Smith had thrown four touchdowns at this, at this point. They had led in the second half, Eric, 38-10. to And the Chiefs would never reach the end zone again. And Andrew Luck erased a 28-point deficit for the second largest comeback coming into your number one uh, comeback in the NFL playoff history. Final score, 45-44. Wow. There have been so many close I remember that game because I remember, I think games. it was in Indianapolis, like someone fumbled it. And it somehow ended up in Luck's arms, and he ended up running in for a score. An offensive lineman, like, yo, running back, fumbled it, and it popped like right back in, in like two yards back to Andrew Luck, who took it and then ran it in for a score. Like it was just that kind of a second half for the Colts. I miss Andrew Luck. No, you don't. He was a good you just miss his Twitter account, Captain Luck. <laughs> I do miss that. You miss that. You don't miss Andrew. Nobody misses Andrew Luck, Eric. He was a good quarterback. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, number one for me. Trent Dilfer was the best quarterback. In the five best uh, NFL wild card football games. Um, you, you talk about 
comebacks. This was the the biggest comeback. Uh, this was Buffalo and Houston at the time. They're known as the Oilers. This was back in 1992. This game was decided in overtime. Uh, Warren Moon played in this game. Uh, I remember that guy. Uh, Houston had a 28 to three halftime lead. Uh, Warren Moon was just going nuts. Um, he was uh, 19 of 22 for a stretch there. He was doing amazing things. Um, but then, then the the Bills started to have get their own offense going. 28 unanswered points in the third quarter, and they score another one in the uh, in the fourth. And then it looks like they've got all the control. But uh, the Houston gets a, a field goal. They send it into overtime. Uh, no, excuse me, goes into overtime, tied at 38, and uh, and then he, uh, he, Buffalo comes out with the victory, getting that field goal in OT, and uh, the the biggest comeback in uh, in NFL history, not just postseason history, but NFL history. Uh, that is my number one as well. I don't know how you pick another number one when you're down 35 to three and you come back and and, and win. That's that's incredible. And and do the, the crazy part is is who is the quarterback again for the Bills? Come on. Uh, so that would have been um, yeah, it's uh, Jim Kelly. Oh, it wasn't Jim Kelly. It was Frank Wright. Jim Kelly was out. Oh, that's oh, that's right. That was Jim Kelly era, but he yes. wasn't in the game that yes, day. he was he was out of the game. So thirty five to three was due to Mister Frankie. Yeah, that uh, the fact that it came back from I mean, two of the comebacks that will mind boggle me the most ever in sports history in a game. Thirty five to three, and then twenty eight to three with Atlanta leading over New England. That game was over. That game should have been done. Shut the door. All you need is one more play. I mean, you're up 35-3. to You have a, a pick six to start the third quarter, basically. And it's total domination in the first half. And the second half starts with much of the same. Everybody should have written that game off. So impressive what Buffalo was able to do to rally and get that in, even close to being able to get into overtime. And then they had all the momentum on their side and got it done. All right, take a break. Coming back, we'll wrap it up here in the first hour of the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. What the fetch was that, man? No music to come back into this region. we sorry. It's a cold open. It's a cold open on a cool day. Uh, hey, coming up here in the second hour, it's in the know on the 14-0 San Diego State Aztecs. What? Do the Aggies need to do to beat these Aztecs? We'll give you our key to the game. Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Tribune will join us to help give his thoughts on the Aztecs and what makes them so good. Why are they 14-0? They've played a really extremely tough schedule. That's all coming up. Eric France and Andre Salveson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan. I'm three seconds early. The Two. fan. One. Just say it more times. Fan! I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Let's have an honest conversation about officiating. The headlines are everywhere. Officiating is a disaster. So what are we going to do about the zebras? The league seems to be panicking a bit. The NFL is talking about making major changes. Baseball might add a computerized strike zone at some point. The NBA now has replay. But I think it's worth mentioning that officiating has always been bad, or at least imperfect. One of the big differences is we all get to see it now. Big 4K TVs are on our phones over and over again. Back in the day, you couldn't tweet about officiating mistakes. Now we can join in with other fans and rip every mistake. That doesn't mean the leagues shouldn't constantly try to improve. 
With improved technology, it's important to strike the right balance between the human element and video. But keep in mind, even if it does get better, we're still going to complain. Because after all, that's one of the things we do really, really well as sports fans. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.